0: Cool. Right. right. Um, yeah, straight into it. So, touch on Guev- Guevara.
1: Guevara, yeah.
0: Guevara. And um, that's about it, really, for news. And we can probably get straight into it. Straight into the Motor 3 onwards for your favourite race of the season. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm counting in. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, ready. Ready. All right. Oh, that—that oh, that actually, that crew chief was fired, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. It'd be so, worth mentioning that. Probably mention that one. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Um, right. Five, four. Hello and welcome to the Red Sector MotoGP podcast, a podcast about everything MotoGP two and three. I'm your host, Josh Wilson, and as always. Here's my co-host, Bono, the walking, and talking, and encyclopedia of MotoGP. How are you doing, Bono? Yeah, I'm good.
1: Um, well, kind of good after Thailand. Not amazing, but we'll get <laughs> into that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, I'm I'm now really looking forward to Philip Island. But obviously, this podcast, talk about Thailand GP and everything that's sort of included in that, which, as we've just spoken about, there's not all that much in terms of news. Um No but if you want to get into that straight away, then we can crack on with the racing.
0: Yeah, so I guess the only two significant bits of news outside of the actual racing was uh, Guevara being confirmed. Um, Yeah, he stays
1: stays with Aspar for 2023 and four. I think the contract might be just provisionally a one plus one, but I can imagine it is probably a two-year contract, but maybe a one plus one if he does amazing in his first year and, you know, his management want him in GP as soon as possible. I don't know, but he probably will be there for two years, at my guess, if not more, if he you know if he stays in Moto2. But either way, I think it's a good move for him because he looks very good and, and comfortable in that team. It's not yeah. like... um I think Garcia, I don't think he's fell out of favour at Aspar, but I think the more and more Guevara's, you know stepped it up a gear, I think Aspar have shown they kind of... I, I don't know. For me, I, I think if Guevara wouldn't have been as... I don't want to say dominant, but I don't think... If he would have been as good as what he has been in the kind of third way through of the season, I think Garcia would have been confirmed to Moto2. I think it's the fact that Garcia renewed, didn't he, for this, for this year to stay in Moto3... And it was like, okay, so you know, he's going for a championship push and now Guevara's sort of upset that it's kind of favoured Guevara to be Aspar's man, basically. Um so yeah, I think I think it's a good move. I think it's sensible, smart, stays with the same same team, same people around him. Um and as we've seen with Jake and Albert Arenas, it is it's not a bad bike, not a bad team to be in. So mm. yeah.
0: Yeah. It was a it's quite a formality. It's not really breaking news or anything like that, is it? Yeah. It's we're kind of expected. I think we yeah, I mean especially when like Garcia
1: got confirmed to Ponds, we you know, it was yeah.
0: inevitable that that was gonna happen. Mm. Um and the only other bit of news uh is the uh, sacking of the uh, crew chief who assaulted uh who was the motor three Yes. Um, so he has now been sacked. So what, what's it saying here? Um, during the Thailand Grand Prix weekend, video footage emerged on social media showing a mechanic from the CIP Motor 3 team repeatedly assaulting Booth Amos at the Baruram circuit in 2019. So this was, well, three years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, Booth Amos took to social media to confirm the video was real and occurred when he retired from that year's Thai GP due to an issue caused by a mechanic. The Briton says he was told by the team at the time to keep quiet was CIP issuing a statement condemning what happened four years ago? Uh, the mechanic, who has not been officially identified, but is widely known to be John McPhee's crew chief at the Max Racing team, uh, Maurizio hmm. Um So, of course, he's actually been been sacked now. Rightly so. Which, yeah, it's uh, it's bizarre that three years on, this is, like, happened now.
1: Um... Yeah, I I mean, it's one of them where I I really do feel for Tom Booth-Amos because during that year of Moto3, I did think when he joined, I thought it's not the greatest team to be in in terms of results and, you know, kind of not unproven, but it's going to be hard for him in his his first year, Um, especially with how hard we know it is for Brits to be making that jump, especially with funding and all the other issues. Mm. Um, And that's not like putting, you know, petty on Brits or anything that's just it is quite hard to make that jump when you're not in the circus like not circus but when you're not in the you know the junior categories the whole way through with great financial support it's hard to kind of break in and stay in um and I know he had a lot of kind of bike related issues and off-track issues sort of through that year it seemed like every time he got interviewed it was very like I don't know, it just never seemed like it felt like it hit right for him at any weekend. And then you see stuff like this come out and it makes me think if if that's the mechanic's reaction, um, which if you look it up, by the way, anyone listening that's not seeing this, if you look up Tom Booth, that is B-O-O-T-H-A-M-O-S, Amos A M O S, just search Tom Booth Amos up and I'm on Twitter or whatever and I'm sure it'll come up. Um, it makes me think if that's what the reaction is to him... What did he say in the video? He said something like, it's it's simple, didn't he? Like, it's very, you know, he said something quite, you know, it's not rash, it's not like abusive, what Tom Booth Amos said, but it's it sent very like, you know, he's quite quite upset, quite annoyed, as you would be having retired from a Grand Prix. And that's the reaction, makes me think that wasn't the only time. I mean, mm. it, it made me think, why, <laughs> when, when somebody at that young age has got to keep quiet about an incident like that, you know that's humiliating, and it's also very disrespectful to Tom Booth Amos. It makes me think: Does this not kind of show to other riders and Dorna that how important it is to have like a riders' union? To me, that would make for yeah. a great addition into the paddock. Considering you have hundreds of riders all the way from MotoGP down to Junior GP and Red Bull rookies. You know, you've got kids, kids racing. At world championship level across the world, you know, away from families, as well as all the mechanics and whatnot, you know, everyone's away from families. It's a, it is a circus, isn't it? It's known to be like the travelling circus. It's it's very high intensity. And to me, this seems like if the team aren't, you know, if the team go, oh, the riders let us down today. That rider doesn't really have anybody to sort of bounce onto, do they? It's like, you know, when you're when you're further down the ranks, you look at Fabio now. Obviously, he's got his manager there, he's got his assistant there in Tom, and he'll probably have a few more people there because they have the money to fund those people to come out. You know, I look at someone like Josh Watley, who, yeah, he's in a British team. That's great, but what if you're John McPhee, and you're you you do not have the experience of John McPhee, and you're not in a British team? And I'm not saying you have to be British and in a British team to be, for that to not happen. I'm I'm saying these riders need support from top to bottom and ride like former riders in that union to look out for this because this can't happen. Like that, that cannot happen again. There's no way you can allow that to happen. And granted, they've sacked him as soon as they've seen the video, but
0: yeah, the fact it's taken
1: three years,
0: yeah, for this to. That's, That's insane, unacceptable. Really, three, and, three years. And
1: it's taken three years for someone who's not Tom Booth Amos to come out. So if if he would, if that video wouldn't have come out, Tom Booth Amos would have never spoken about this unless exactly asked about it. You know, asked how was your time in Moto Three when his career is long and you know long and gone. And he's not contractually obliged to not piss them off, not piss this person off, whatever. Like you know, what I mean, he's got nobody to to hold grudges with. Mm. Is that the only time he would come out with it? Because the person it's, who shared it was yeah. just like, here, here we go. And it was like, oh, who's this? What's the video? What the hell's gone on here? And then the whole of MotoGP Twitter was like, why has nothing been said about this? Well,
0: obviously, that video's been... Again, that's, that video's been around for three years as well. That's um, so been it's, sat in his camera roll for three years. Yeah, exactly. It's It's been there, and, and it's one of them. It's... it's yeah, I, I, obviously, I'm assuming... I'm assuming if we'd have been to Thailand in the last couple of years, it, it would have come out then. You would have thought. Mm. Um, but having said that, you just don't know, dear. You don't. You don't really know what's 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 triggered. Um, what triggered this to to come out when it did? Um, now, yeah. Luckily, if I read correctly somewhere, is it after? Is it? Is it? No, I don't know if I'm getting this right or if I'm, I'm getting my wires crossed. But is it is it after Australia or is that just is that something else?
1: Um, he's he, he what well, when he's getting sacked? Yeah, or is he being sacked, sacked immediately? He's, he's been sacked and he will leave his position after Sepang, I think. Okay. So he's got two grand grand prix left. I How mean, does I, was,
0: that, I mean, <laughs> I don't know about you, married. but if I was sacked from a job, I don't think I'd turn I, I, I up don't, again. If
1: I did something like that, oh yeah, to a co-worker. There would not be, okay, we'll work the next two weeks and then we'll let yeah. you off, but like, it would be you're done, finished, yeah. out the door, like I don't yeah, know, yeah, it's for me it, it's, I, I don't I don't want to word this wrong, but like, I don't not feel bad for Max racing team, but I also do feel a bit sorry for them in the sense of, they didn't know about this mm. and now they've lost a team member, so I'm like fair enough, but Again, I go back to my original point. If that's the reaction to what Tom Booth-Amos said, surely this guy has had very, you know, rash reaction. And I, I don't want to assume, but I'm saying there's no way a guy that reacts like that, kicking him, punching him, smacking him, you know, to to that. If John McPhee walks in the carriage now, I bet he thinks, fucking hell, I better not say anything. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because surely there's an aroma around him that I don't know. It, it, it's very, it's very weird. I mean, like like you say, it's kind of stupid that it's like oh, after Sepang, but you also then in John McPhee's shoes, you're saying, well, I've not done anything to lose a crew chief, but at the end of the day, if he's done something wrong, he should be sacked for it immediately, in my eyes. But mm. that's that's just that's just my reaction. I mean, there's a lot of things that go on that we sort of seem to forget that makes you think i wonder if if there was a riders union and something came out and just like kind of you know the the riders had a say and a bit of a voice on issues that had gone on like can you remember when philip salach last year just left the snipers team he got pole in saxon ring if you remember and then he dropped back in the i think he retired last year in moto 3 and then boom he was gone he just got it was like we've mutually agreed we're going to end it and then he moved to the team to replace basically to replace the loss of Jason DePasquier, if you remember, to the Prustol GP team, which is now CF Moto. And it was like, Oh, what's gone on there then? Because surely after the poll, they would have been delighted. First poll for Philip and the team are, you know, happy with that. And then a bad result, it just made me think the team have gone, you've let us down there because we've gone from pole. I'm assuming here, very, very much assuming. But what gone, you know I mean? Stuff like that that you think nothing of, you think, what's actually gone on there? A little bit like, and I, I cannot wait till this comes out in like a book, an interview, or whatever, the whole Fernati incident. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Not not the one with people probably straight away thinking the one where he's grabbing his break, but how he was just like, dr- like, he, he was dropped out. out of the VR 46. For anyone listening that might be newer to MotoGP, Romano Fenati at one point was, he was the man in VR46. Like, it, it felt like, he, as mad as this sounds to say in 2022, the Pecco Bagniers of the world were like, kind of, they were in the VR46 team. And then Peko was actually dropped out of the VR46 team for another opportunity to bring Migno in. But Fenati was like, no, he, he's, he's in. He's got to be in. You know, Boolaga... Great talent coming through, since been dropped. But Fenati felt like if we're gonna win a championship, it's gonna be Fenati. If he's gonna to go to Moto two, it's with the R forty six. It just felt like he was the 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 main man. And then out of the blue, Romano Fenati just gets dropped at the Austrian Grand Prix. I think it was twenty I wanna guess seventeen, something like that, sixteen. And it was like, what's gone on? The team got asked and it was just like, no, we've just mutually agreed. Uh, We're not, we're not accepting his behavior and nothing really got said. It makes you think as the rider messed up there, as the rider done something to somebody has said something, what's actually gone on? Mm. It is a bit more like gossipy, but that to me makes numbers. And, you know, I'm not thinking like let's hit people to make numbers. I'm not saying that I'm saying when these things just sort of like go under the carpet, a rider's union to make, you know, a standpoint, ultimately, for a moral standpoint on riders getting a say, I do think that that would encourage riders to come out about things like this, to eradicate it, rather than, yeah, than just write yeah. it on their own.
0: I, I think, well, in the sport, is well overdue a riders' union. And the fact that, you know, we're still discussing it, it really needs to, to happen, in my opinion. There needs to be something... I mean, do we have an equivalent to what, say, Formula One has, where it's like—that's what I'm thinking. Um, I, it'd, I don't be know. Good,
1: it'd be good if somebody like, like a Loris Caparossi I know he does the the safety side of things now, but um, somebody like that—that's that's been there, done it, and is so passionate about being there. You can't have somebody that's like—you've got to pay them to come and do it. It's like, uh, obviously. Fair enough. If, yeah, pay pay them if you want, but I, I mean, you, you can't like put a, a a negotiation on it. I'm like, please, please, we need a rider. You you need somebody that wants to do it. Mm. Pay them, but wants to do it. Like, mm. I don't know whether that be
0: well uh, a, Dov-
1: uh, a Dovi, a Petrucci, somebody
0: but, like that. That's Cruchlo. sort of, Crutchlow. Er- yeah, I've I mean, heard, I've heard people say he'd maybe be one of the best fits. In terms of the fact that I he... just don't think he'd want to do it because he, he No, I don't than
1: I... his daughter and whatnot. I just yeah, maybe not. Very... But
0: I think in terms of who who people get along with in the paddock, yeah. He's one of those that I think pretty much everyone gets along with. And you'd need if you are having someone who was leading the charge, you'd want them to be kind of yeah, you'd want somebody,
1: Yeah, you'd want somebody neutral, but also somebody that's you know that that everyone can look at and say I, I can have a word with him and something will get done. Mm. You know, I mean, I, I love Jorge Lorenzo, but I can't imagine many people thinking, no. yeah, I'll go and have a word with Jorge, he'll sort me out. Do you know what I mean? I just, plus, like, he wouldn't do it. Wouldn't, you know, Jorge Lorenzo's not going to do it. Like, like Rossi's not going to do it, is he? Rossi's no, not going to be like, people I'll tell you where's... what, Cause... I'll take a year out and be yeah. uh, a, a, you know, a counsellor for everyone. He's not going to do it.
0: Because you, you need someone with that kind of, like like law, I think, where if he's going to go up to someone and and really ruffle some feathers, you want it yeah. to be in because yeah, he no, would ruffle feathers and people would listen to him and think, oh, oh shit, it's Crutchlow coming towards us. What's he yeah. got to say? You know, that. One. whereas, I don't know.
1: I mean, no, also this... maybe somebody like a John Hopkins, I know he's in the American racing team, but again, someone that kind of has been spit out a little bit in his career and had, had it a bit rough and, you know, he's, mm. he's, he's, he's had the highs, he's had the lows and, again i think people like that you need you need them around for a riders union it doesn't have to be like a you've got to be on call 24/7 it's just a a regular meeting and a regular call up between all these riders that want to join it it's almost like you're signing up for if kind of like i mean like i'm in what's called the musicians union i'm not going to go into that but like it's basically if if you get screwed over or if you're fighting a fight on your own or anything like that and anything comes up you have us to fall like back on and we'll back you up. No matter what it is, we'll back you up and we'll try and get to what's best for you and just general disciplinary and, you know... Oh, yeah, you
0: you you, kind you, of... you, you do need it. I, I'm in a union. I'm in the union I, I'm in. It's the same, exactly the same. It's like with a lot of unions, uh, that's what they're there for. Yeah. They're there for support, for backup. They're there um, for not just like on legal grounds or anything to do your job, but in even in terms of, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, oh, what's the word? It's like even things outside of the job, you know, just yeah. general know kind of, of thing, especially like used to travelling, in circus, people away from the families, away from the loved ones, away from bigger influences or people that maybe fall back on, like the parents or something like that. But if you had some kind of riders' union, or and or that kind of organisation you know anything outside of even even the professional grounds of stuff you'd still be able to fall back on that um because you can go to it, them with any times of it with any type of issue
1: yeah i think it's very important as well for those that i mean obviously i would be all for like spanish and italian riders joining it 100% mm. but you know for the, like your australians that are literally having to travel at like well, really yeah. young age yeah. just to get to Europe, yeah. just to be in Europe to race. That to me is well, like, yeah. it's like it's like another point of call to say, um it's not just me, my mum and dad, and that's it. It's me, my mum and dad. I've got riders union there to look out for me. Do you know what I mean? That if anything well, yeah, happens exactly. to me, yeah. they're gonna I back mean, me up.
0: I mean you kinda of see that with how Kit, Ke- um not Casey Sonor, but with our, um, Jack Miller is with all the young young yeah. Australian riders. He's he takes them under his wing. Because yeah. he probably, he knows how difficult it is for young Aussies and, and Kiwi riders and things like that coming through and going to Europe. And and I guess it's things like, he, he didn't really have, he probably didn't have that support available to him when he, when he came over in terms of someone to fall back on and talk to. Um, yeah. You know, Casey Stoner, I don't think, I don't know how much he had when he came
1: over. I mean, Casey Stoner moved to, um, I think he has grandparents in the Lake District. Oh, okay. So I think Casey Stoner moved, I remember seeing the um, age of 27, I think it's called, documentary, great documentary if you want to go watch it. Um, And I'm pretty sure he moves over because I remember his dad saying they moved over like during the Australian summer and then went to like the winter in the UK in the Lake Mm. District and it was like we were living there. And then the, he ended up being taken under the wing of, of all people, Alberto Puig, who we yeah, look yeah. at now, go Repsol Honda team manager. Mm. He lived in Alberto Puig's dad's garden in a motorhome. Yeah. And it's just the fact that he got offered that because, you know, Casey looked like a good lad, good family, didn't have much. And it took for somebody like that to, mm. to do that. But just, you know, kind of mutuals in a union to be like, well, that that's that lad's from Australia. He's living there. See if, you know, it kind of just, it links everything. It makes the process easier. It looks out for people. And I'm talking from that age of being like moving over it. I mean, these Australians can move over like 9, 10 and be chucked in that world is incredibly bizarre. But from that to GP, to yeah. GP, like if there is a pre-race event, right, and it's absolutely tipping it down, which we'll get to. Yeah, I was going to say Where it's absolutely throwing it down. And I genuinely sat there thinking, it can't be safe. It cannot be safe. This is where the union's going to come in and be like, that's not happening again. That can't Mm. happen again. Exactly, because,
0: of course, we will get onto it uh, in more detail, but the whole, apparently, Elish saying to Fabius, if you're not happy with it, we've got a voice-up and... I don't know if, if Fabio was thinking along the lines. I've just I just want to get on with it basically.
1: I tell you but... what, he would be good for it, Elash. Oh, yeah,
0: hundred percent.
1: I tell you something now: if he retired tomorrow, I would be saying get him at the top of the top yeah. of the whole union.
0: Oh yeah, he, he's always been like that, has he? he's always been. He, because, he doesn't. He yeah, he, he, doesn't he, keep... he doesn't. He
1: doesn't hold back, and not no, only that, if there's a problem, I'll give him. I I've got a lot of respect for people that don't just sit there. And let the wind blow by them and think, yeah, it's all right. I'll, I'll, you know, it's not nothing to do with me. Those people that can stand up and say, "Hang on a minute, it's Eight. nothing to do with me," but that's wrong. Do you know what I mean? He is, all, he's always been the guy to step up and say that's wrong. Even when Sam Lowes was already getting replaced at Aprilia, like five races in, he was just employed by Aprilia, alesh and he came out publicly and said it's wrong. They shouldn't sack him. He's been here five minutes. Give him a chance. I think it's wrong. He's been nothing but good around the team, on the bike, off the bike. He's new to GP. Let him, you know, give the guy a chance. And Aprilia probably didn't like that. They didn't mm. like that in their old management. But that yeah. takes something. Alish there and then could have happily gone. I'm not saying anything. No do me. I ain't got to say anything. But he would be a great candidate for that great yeah, and, candidate
0: and like you said if we already had a, had a had a riders union now just look at the things in the past that wouldn't have happened like with KTM yeah. KTM are a prime example sacking your riders when they're out oh, on pre-practice no. Sarko all of them things with a riders union you know they, they either wouldn't have happened or they would have been taken up, up the raft, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just take seriously the whole Remy Gardner thing at the moment I mean yeah
1: He's fighting, he's fighting basically on his own, isn't he? Exactly. Yeah,
0: I don't understand why there isn't one already. I can't... I, I, You know, in terms of that side of MotoGP history, I just don't get it. I don't really... I don't know if it's a Dawna thing. I don't know if a Dawna's employing like a divide and conquer strategy where it's like, right, keep everyone at arm's length. So that they can not form a union because they don't want it because they know how much hassle it can cause. I, I don't really understand why there isn't one. I don't well, if, know if, they... To, if
1: they were to stop a union, then that's where someone's got to step up and say, "Well, I'm not riding." Then,
0: yeah, exactly. It's. I think I don't know if it's just the attitude of MotoGP riders and and the culture where it's just like right. We're just going to get on with it. We, you know, we've got a job to do as riders and be it's like, wrong, you know though, what,
1: isn't it? it's we wrong. get on
0: with it and we don't complain. But it is it is wrong this day and age. You know the the way like the youngsters are treated and how precarious it can be a career it there needs to be something i think it's about time we really there needs to be i know there's been debates in the past about it but i think it's come to the point now in my opinion with everything that's happened especially even this year if you look at what's happened this year it's come to a point now where there needs to be a serious debate about a riders union there needs to be heads put together and I, i'm not saying it's not it, he doesn't need to get involved, but even if someone like Rossi came in and said, "You know, let's let's look at look look at getting a riders' union organised, you know, having that kind of weight behind would help massively. You know, well, I look there. at it in the
1: sense of I almost look at the VR Forty Six Academy and say that almost is a union because yeah, yeah, you know, they're, they're their own, you know, they, they sort all their own riders out. But if if let's say Alberto Sura got inven- involved in an incident where, like the Fanati thing, somebody else had sort of grabbed him on. You'd have all of the VR46 team being like, we're not having that. We're putting a stat... You know what I mean? It'd be a statement that'd be put out. You'd have two or three um, representatives go and see Donor, FIM, whoever it is, they'd be up there looking out for them. Granted, that's brilliant that they do that. But that, I'd look at that and I, they always say... I mean, the amount of pundits and what I always say, like Neil Hodgson and the likes of, say, all the time, it's a harsh nasty sport in the sense of you can be at the absolute top one minute and you can be spat out like that. And it's, yeah, that's the harsh reality. But I look at this Tom Booth-Amos thing and I think there's instances like that that make me want a union so that if there's something going off that isn't, you know, it's being portrayed that Tom Booth-Amos won't be renewed next year because can't afford it. Is that the truth? Mm. Yeah, for Is me, it, truth?
0: it really... There has to come a moment, you know, in, in MotoGP or not in MotoGP, in, in you know Moto Two and Three and things. So there has to come a moment where everyone thinks, right, we need a riders' union. If if this Tom Booth amos thing isn't that moment, then what what are we waiting for? Or what is what is, what are the people? What are we all well, waiting it, for? It's
1: the same. It's <laughs> the same thing. Exactly what you just said there is The is the same argument I have with the race conditions. I literally it's thought, different. before we started recording, I thought, if if that isn't an incident to be stopped, are, are we waiting for someone to get killed? Are uh, we? Yeah. I mean, I mean Are it, we waiting for it, someone to well, get killed?
0: Un- unfortunately, in a lot of different, um, well, sports, but in a different industries around the world, a lot of rules are written in blood and it shouldn't be like that, but I think that's... I feel like MotoGP is probably exactly the same. If you look at I don't know. If you look at uh, I know we mention F1 a lot on this pod, podcast, but if it's relatively relevant then I will I will mention it. But if you look at um was it Suzuka 2014
1: with the 20... Bianchi.
0: With Bianchi. Yeah. Something like that. Obviously the rules were changed after that, weren't they? Um mm. following that crash, but it took someone to die for it's for sad. Also, well, I, unfortunately, well I I don't think he died by that point but it took took someone to be have life-changing injuries which led to his death for things to change. And unfortunately, you know, I think MotoGP is probably the same. It's reactive.
1: It's exactly the same as Antoine Huber at Spa. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. On, now we'll think about extending those barriers. Yeah, we'll yeah. It. It's like, come on, man. Like, yeah. what What year are we in? Like,
0: Exactly. <sighs> exactly. It's, it's like... Uh, the Aliman TT. Let's say that for example.
1: Yeah, I've said about this.
0: People, people go. Oh well, every year people die. That's just how it is. And and and, and I saw one excuse or one reasoning was like, oh well, in the seventies and eighties, you know, F1 loads of people used to die in that. And I thought, well, yes, but in the seventies and eighties, F1, even though it'd been around since like 1950, it was still going through that growing pains phase. I think as a sport, it was still, but, it was still a transition. Not,
1: there's not people die in every race. Uh, yeah. Now, so. and,
0: and the Isle of Man TT has been around for like, what, how yeah. 100 years?
1: Oh, I wouldn't like to think how long it's been around for. I couldn't even tell you, but. Exactly. Isle of Man, I literally tweeted about it this, this year at the TT. I mm. just said, I, I don't get me wrong. I love the Isle of Man for the racing. I love the Isle of Man yeah. for how on edge it is and the talent and the, I can appreciate. Alex you've got to have to do it. I have, I have nothing but respect. But there comes a point that makes me think, and I, th- I can't remember how I tweeted it. It was a lot shorter than this, obviously, but it was like, it. it there comes a point where it think you think, is it really worth losing five, six people every single year? Like, how long? Mm. How long can that go on for? Yeah, and I'm can. not saying get rid yeah. of it. I'm just saying if you change the track to be safer at the Isle of Man, you know, to go a certain route that can be, I don't know, that you can have some form of. I don't really know how you do it, but it's, if you do it, that, people are going to say, you can't change that. But if you keep it the same, do you want five, six people to die every year? It's, really?
0: I think the problem that works against us or everyone who, who would like more safety features or, or a safer Isle of TT. is obviously it's, it's on once a year. So it has that limited exposure of, what is it on for? Four weeks? Something like that. Uh, uh, less than that, week. is it? Two weeks, I think it is. Two weeks. It's, two weeks of the year. Right, you have the Isle of Man TT. A few people die, everyone gets sad, and then that's it until the year after. Yes. Where it's it's not like an F1 or a MotoGP where every other weekend, especially with the calendars, how long they are nowadays, every other weekend you've got um, a race on. And if people would obviously die in every other weekend in a, in an F1 or a MotoGP race, people would be like, actually, no, this is we've got to stop this. If, if Isle of Man TT was on every other every other week and people are dying, I think I think there'll be a huge push by now for it to change. But I think because, you know, we're all quite short, we all have short-term memories in, in that regard, because it's on two weeks of the year, every year, people just, people don't see it as enough, if you get what I mean. Mm. There's not enough exposure to it, and that's the issue. That's what yeah. we have to face.
1: Yeah, it is one of them things. I mean, obviously, we've kind of gone off on a little bit of a tangent. Yeah, uh, we've gone on over the last of CT. But a huge But a I mean, we'll get to it on Moto2 with the kind of link into the conditions the, yeah, the yeah. and whatnot yeah. and, and everything. But, yeah, let, let's get into to Moto3. Um, yeah, we'll get into three now. So, obviously, Definitely. we have a finishing order of Dennis Foggia, Ayuma Sasaki and Ricardo Rossi. Now, obviously, the big news being that Sergio Garcia got took out. That has pretty much clarified the championship because all Garcia needs now, uh, Guevara, sorry, is to finish one point ahead of Garcia at Phillip Island next weekend and he will be crowned the 2022 Moto3 champion. Mm. Um, Part of me thinks it's unlucky for Garcia, but part of me thinks it's kind of been a running joke that the whole year we've sat there and said, on a Friday and a Saturday morning, Garcia is taking too long to get to grips with things. If he wants to win the championship, he cannot keep risking qualifying low down and, yeah, getting, exactly. and not getting yeah. out of Q1. And ultimately, these are the prices that you will pay.
0: You will. I mean, again, what, 20th? He started 20th on the grid. The chances yes. are, obviously, the lower the lower down the order you go, really, there's more chance of being taken out. If you start on pole position or the front row, the chances of being taken out Relative to starting mid pack, they were a lot, lot slimmer. So it's just one of them. It's 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 a nature of the beast, and unfortunately, like we've said, I think Garcia though that the issue is again, just like last season against um, Acosta, it just it just waned as the season went on. His his kind of title fight, um, his challenge, uh, and again Fodger kind of took over from him like the last third of the season last season. And it, it kind of happened this season as well, in a way. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's it's frustrating, of course, but I don't really know. What I, uh, to say I have sympathy for him is probably... I'd be going a bit far.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously Garcia took it very, very well and you know mm. he's not bitter about it. I think he is so professional, to be fair to him, and I have oh, yeah. really like to listen to his like debriefs that he does on social media, but... Um, I just kind of get the impression that he's sort of accepted it now. Um it would take it would take a miracle for Garcia to win this championship. I mean, championship standings wise, we obviously have Izan Guevara leading it on 265 and Dennis Fodger on 216. Um so actually it's foggia that's leading um in front of Garcia now because Garcia has just been that inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Um so does that make it right? I think that does make. Obviously, if Guevara leaves Philip Island with more than a fifty-point uh, gap, then you know it's, oh, yeah, it's, it's game uh, set and match. Don't So, it. um, um, yeah. so it, it's not Garcia. He has to finish one point in front of. Sorry, it's Foggia. Um, yeah. So maybe Foggia wins in Philip Island, but I don't think Izan Guevara is going to be too forced. If I was, you know, if I was anybody in Aspire, I'd just be saying to him, keep doing what you're doing. It's well, gonna, exactly. I think come your way.
0: We spoke about a couple of podcasts ago with Guevara now. He just has a luxury to be able to just kind of mill around. Everyone else has got to take the risks, basically. He can just mill around as long as he as long as he's finishing in the points, realistically, he's you know, he can just he can just go at his own pace around the track. Whereas the likes of well, we've seen it with Gar- um, Garcia, but the likes of Foggia now, he has to take the risk. you know. If he wants it to go down to Valencia, and Foggia does um, is as well. Oh yeah, Foggia, yeah. Foggia... If, if he wants to take it to Valencia or if he wants to win, he'll have to finish first uh, in in um, Philip Island. it will have to finish first in Malaysia, whereas Garcia can just roll it roll it home in fifth or something like that. Oh, not so Garcia, sorry, uh, Guevara. Yeah. So, again, it's, um yeah. And,
1: it... and we've also spoken about the inconsistency of Fodger. It's like oh, he's oh, yeah at yeah, yeah. and it's like, okay, he's won at Silverstone, he's won at Misano. He's back and then he just dropped off the edge of a cliff. Yeah, it's...
0: he's... His well, consistency.
1: I don't want to get too much into it because to me, it's pretty much a formality now that what's what's going to happen is yeah. inevitable. But if if Foggia wins this title, Guevara has been very unlucky or slacked off, and I would take the former over the latter.
0: Yeah, uh, on on the form he's had this season, it be it would be very very surprising if Guevara just loses his head all of a sudden and is yeah. going for like lunges for for fifth place and and you know. Falling off, basically. So it would have to be the unlucky side of things. But Foggia, again, just like he did last season, he just left it too late in the season, really. He's he's inconsistent, um, which is probably his biggest weakness as a rider, if anything. It's just his consistency. Um, but I think, really, motor 3 is kind of a formality now. Like you said, it's kind of... We're, we've wrapped it up, and I'd, unless this crazy stuff goes down, I don't think we'll be spending too much time on it. For the next yeah. of, and obviously. In of terms,
1: yeah, in terms of the Thai GP, a quick shout out for Ricardo Rossi because he flew away with Sasaki and Foggia, and obviously they just didn't have the pace for Foggia because the Leopard just mm. looked that quick in a straight line. Um, but yeah, I I thought I was really impressed with Ricardo Rossi. I thought he was gonna actually end up dropping off. Um and Sasaki and Foggia leading the way because they Sasaki, although the results probably don't look like he's been that quote, inc- I don't say dominant, but he, he, every race he has been away with the leading pack. Yeah, he, you know he's yeah. had he's had the pace of the leading pack that have kind of, unlike Moto three, have sort of cleared off. I mean, look at Red Bull Ring. He had two long laps and mm. won the race because he had that good a pace. He's got great pace, Sasaki. He does. Um, um, I think if Sasaki can be more consistent and qualify that little bit better next year, we could could be looking at a Japanese world champion.
0: I'd, I'd really like that. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a Sasaki fan, fanboy for, well, kind of this season. But next season, definitely, I'd be rooting for him because I do think, you know, he, he's got the pace. He's and if he just, like I said, ties up on the consistency, and keeps it down the straight and narrow, he's he's well within a shout. And again, if we're losing Guevara next season, we're losing um, Garcia, yeah. Boggia... We, Fodgie, yeah. yeah, we're losing times, yeah. So really you could argue it's it's gonna be the likes of Sasaki. Maybe Munyoth might be in there as well if I think, he if he's yeah. gonna draw. Um I think the
1: biggest title contender for me that I'm interested to see is Dennis Onchu on the IO. Yeah, I, yeah, I,
0: yeah.
1: I really I, I me personally, I would like to see Onchu do it next year just because of how long it seems to be that to me I've been watching that that kid. Mm. Ride. He's now like developed into such a great rider that I, I believe everyone thought he would, but to take it to that next step, he's got to start. Well, he's got to win yep. races. Obviously, he's not won a race yet and I think next year will be the time that he he has to win a race, surely, aren't you? I mean, you know, yeah, got
0: for his time. I think yeah, on shoes up there, you're going to have a holgado as well. I think he he might he might start coming good next season um because he's he's had a few good results this season as well. To say it's his rookie season. Um and a few others in there, maybe. More, yeah, Moreira, I,
1: I think um, I think in terms of rookies as well, we have a great pool of rookies coming up with David Alonso oh, and Jose okay, Rueda. Yeah. But Jose Rueda, and then, but those two are just two to look out for. I don't think it'll take too long for them to get to grips with things. Mm. I think you can, you can sort of imagine it. I was going to say Qatar, but it'd be Portimao, obviously, with the season opener next year. I wouldn't be surprised to see those two fine at the front or if not yeah. in the pack behind. Minimum.
0: Yeah. Again, you, you do. we do always discount the fact that a rookie can come in and, and really light things up and, mm. and end up and end up leading the championship like like we we saw with Acosta. Costa, um, but I think Diego Moreira
1: will be good next year as well. Exactly, yeah. He's You've, a rookie it, now and he's still
0: it, so it, quick. It, it's mad because on one hand we've just said, oh yeah, with Foggia, Garcia and Guevara gone, Sasaki should have it. We're not easy, but he should be a contender. But then you look at actually the stock, well, and that, the that was almost
1: the argument last year with Garcia. It was like Garcia oh, and yeah. are renewing. It'll be them two, and then Guevara said. Excuse me.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's my time to shine. So it's uh, yeah, it it it's looking interesting. I mean, all three categories are looking really interesting for next season. To be fair, but yeah, motor three, I think we're kind of wrapping up now, and and unless we see some surprise results, I think, like I said before, we probably won't be touching on it too much going forward because it's all should be should be a formality from here till Valencia. So
1: yeah, um, and, um... we'll see. Obviously, the rider of the day, we have Matt giving Riccardo Rossi the rider of the day, which is obvious, as we've just touched on. Yeah. I think I'm going to give it Stefano Nepa because I think the bike that he's on has looked a little bit inconsistent this year. And to be honest with you, really didn't expect Stefano Nepa to be that far up. He's he's had very, very hit and miss um, mm. results throughout this year. And frankly, I just, like I said, I just didn't really expect it. So, um, yeah, I'll give it Stefano Nepa in fourth.
0: Um I'll probably go to Scott actually. Down in fifteenth, but um I think he's it was a good performance from him after after obviously Japan. That was quite uh, disappointing from him. I think oh, he would have been disappointed with himself, you know, DNFing. Um but again a fifteenth play for Scott, uh, you know, finishing finishing a, a few a bit um above a few big names as well. Um, like uh, fell on on shoe. So there's a few there, but or Tola, who's had a very weird weekend, I thought. Yeah, yeah. So you know, and he, he kind of stayed in that. If you look at the intervals, anyway, he was kind of in the. I, I he wasn't in touch, obviously, with with the front runners or anything like that. The they usually are a couple of groups at form, but well, he, he was, was, wasn't
1: he? he? Was originally in that sort of like pack behind the big mm. pack. Mm. I think he just sort of lost pace towards the end, but again, a track that Scott's never been to, um, and it's all good experience for next year.
0: Exactly, yeah. He was he was fighting with um, Artigas, Tate, and Kelso really, so that would that would have been good. So yeah, I'll give it to Scott. It's a it's a good bounce back from Japan, I think. And now
1: leading on to Moto Two, where we had Ringscare. a.
0: Yeah, things start to get
1: yeah. spicy. A little I bit a little bit spicy, a little bit messy. Um, we obviously had a finishing order of Tony Arbolino, Philip Salach and Aaron Canet, which obviously you would not have put money on that being the final three, pure and simply because, well, they kind of came from nowhere. And we obviously had a home hero of Samkiat Chantra, who sadly crashed out leading the race. Oh, um, yeah. I felt so bad for him. But... This became a wet race. Now, anybody listening that's maybe not watched the races or you have watched the races will know uh, the Moto3 race was the only race done in the dry. The Moto2 and GP were done in the wet. Now, Moto2 got delayed for a significant amount of time, which was great when you were staying up for it, Um, (laughs) which seems to be a bit of a theme, staying up for races and then them getting delayed through weather conditions. Um, So, yeah, we, we we had the race delayed for a significant amount of time, and it made me think... Okay, fair enough. They delayed it. Safety precautions, like yeah, they can delay this race until it, it seems safe. It seemed safe for you know. I mean, obviously, East Asia they have very hit and miss weather. That's that's a given. But I, when it was red flagged, I I did kind of think, well, it was it was almost this bad, like at the begin, like you know, yeah. the very beginning. So like, it's almost like okay, we've done two thirds and they've all made it out safe. Yeah, let's do it. It's like, are we just sort of like guessing it a little bit? I mean, when Cambobier went down, I think it was the first lap going through turn what? One, two, three, four. Coming out of turn four, that fast turn four. He went down in the middle of the track and I thought, straight away, I thought, no one sees him. No one sees him. Literally, Mm -hmm. the only time you see him is when he's then in front of you because if you're behind anybody in those conditions, granted the rain, your visibility is less, but... I mean, we'll get to it in GP, but going down the streets, you could not see anything. It, yeah,
0: it was. It was one of them where, as well, it, once one rider put the hand up, it seemed like they all followed suit as well. Mm. Towards the end, it was like everyone was like, "I'm not putting my hand up first. but as soon as one did, it was like, "Actually, yeah, sod this, forgive the darts. We're, we're yeah. you know, we'll, 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 we'll call this because." Yeah, the spray was, was atrocious towards the end. The visibility was terrible. Um, and you could see them all all really tiptoeing around. Um, of course, Salac nearly nearly yeah, had his first unlucky. win.
1: <laughs> very unlucky. I mean, when a, when a race gets red flagged, you can never look at it in hindsight and no. say, we should have won. I mean, it's one of them. You, ne- you never know when a, a race is going to get red flagged. Basically, for people who don't know what we're talking about, Philip Salach was leading the race. Run a little bit wide in the last quarter, and Tony Obolino led into the next lap. Now, for people that don't know, when a race gets red flagged, it goes back to the last lap completed. So obviously Tony, Tony Obolino then led over the line, got red flagged, and then Tony Obellino was announced as the race winner. Now, if Philip Salach wouldn't have made that mistake and led over the line, he would have had his first ever Moto2 win. Mm. So bittersweet, because obviously he's not a podium contender every single weekend, and... I think for a rider and a team like that that don't compete at that level every weekend it's just sort of that i think we spoke about it before when we've had wet races it's almost that kind of confidence boost that you need to be like okay when the equalizer comes out when it's when it's wet and we're all on pretty simple you know simple it's not like the gp we're all on pretty equal bikes you know i'm still i'm still up there um which which obviously caused crashes but it also caused a lot of freak results it i mean obviously did. we had another tie rider yeah cubo yeah. finishing in ninth which was Just kind of unexpected that. yeah exactly um, which was so a yeah, bit of
0: it, consolation for yeah for the, the thai fans yeah
1: um, um sean dylan kelly in 11th barry Baltus in 12th mm. tiger harder in 13th um yeah i mean look at pedro acosta in 16th it's you know you see sam lowe's 19th, yeah. Bo Ben Schneider,
0: 18th. It, it just shows the wet really can jumble it up. I mean, we're, we're, in terms of the championship fight, we're talking about sixth and th- seventh here. Yeah. Um, which is obviously usually we're talking about really the podium spots when it comes to who finished where for the championship. So, so to yeah. go down to the kind of sixth and seventh is a bit odd. Um, and
1: obviously, for it being red flagged, only half points were awarded. Yeah. Which is why. If yeah. you look at the championship standings now, it's Augusto Fernandez in first on two hundred and thirty eight point five, and we have Igor on two hundred and thirty seven. So Augusto Fernandez one point five point points, yeah, in front.
0: Well, and obviously, it means we can't go level into the final round either. It's not it possible does. unless yeah. we get another. Well, I mean Malaysia's coming, Sepang, so yeah, I say Sepang, yeah, yeah. Sepang you never know. Could even that? They might. They might red flag it just to just to try and get the. Uh, or, or, the point fives out of the window, um, but yeah, it's uh, that is quite interesting. Of um, course, the point five thing we saw that last year in F one, funnily enough. Um, I was just
1: about to say that. Yeah, I mean, it can cause it can cause, you know, uh, you can't sit there at the end of the year though and say, well, if that race wasn't red flagged, it's like, well, you know, it's it's racing, it happens, and yeah. You can't look at that as a pointer and say that's what's screwed me over. If you if you've been let down by point five, then yes, it's you know it's it, uh, There's a twenty odd race championship. You know it's not exactly. just one race. It's,
0: it's a, acts a like rain. It's just you know the, there are never inevitability at some tracks, and you've just got to accept. Even if you look at back to Silverstone 2018, where we we, we didn't even get a race in Lapin. Um,
1: Yeah, I remember that race fondly. Exactly. Being in the stands, I remember that.
0: Exactly. So you look at that, so to actually fortunate in a way that you've got half points because you've managed to get half the the distance in or third or whatever it was. So, yeah, I think you can't be too annoyed. And on safety grounds, like we could easily, in another world, we could easily be sat here now saying that race should have been red flagged because we've had so-and-so X, Y, and Z happen. So really... I have, I'm not in any kind of um, mood to be like, oh, rubbish race, it shouldn't have been red flagged. I'm, I'm happy in a way that it was because of yeah because of conditions. But that kind of, after rider of the day, that kind of leads us on to another kind of subject, which, or, or dubious subject in MotoGP. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously we had non-finishers of Fermin Aldegaard Camera Bobby, as I've mentioned, some cat Chantra, as we've mentioned, Jeremy Alcoba and Lorenzo Della Porta. In terms of the Brits and the Americans that did finish, we had Sam Lowe's in 19th. We had Sean Dylan Kelly in 11th, which is Matt's rider of the day. Mm. We have Joe Roberts in 8th and Jake Dixon just narrowly missing out on the podium yeah. in P4, which obviously, again, I've said it again in Metegi and I'll say it again in Thailand. These are these are important. That like you, you can't look at those racers and go, I should have two podiums there. At the end of the day, in a wet race and in a dry race, you're P4. So it shows that you're good in both conditions. It shows that you're competitive. And with that experience of going to those tracks, Jake will come on good. He just will. Like, you he know,
0: will. He's, he's he's looking. He's come on leaps and bounds this
1: season. You've, yeah, even I mean, yeah. look at Aaron Canette. I mean, he's not won a race, but he's up there in the championship. Exactly. If I'm Jake, I would look at Aaron Canette and say, it's more important to finish than it is to, you know, bin yeah, it going exactly. for a podium I,
0: I mean, look at Jake in in Portimao, prime example. You know, he, he he that was he could have won that race, and I think if the Jake of now, even though it was only like six months ago, but the Jake of now probably would have won that race in Portimao. Um, so it just shows how how much he's come on as a as a rider, and and going into next season that'll be massive, that'll be huge, and hopefully he can continue that kind of form and that confidence and that consistency that he's showing going into the into um. 2023 so it'll be
1: interesting yeah i mean my my rider of the day has to be philip salach i think you rode brilliantly came through the pack great ride narrowly missed out like we've said to a uh, a first win but you know when, when when you're a rider in that position as i've said and you're not winning every week you are not, you know you're not on the podium every week it's hard to go into a race like that and feel confident because even though you think on oh, you know we're on neutral ground you don't know what's gonna happen starting that far back and ultimately <laughs> come through a race like that, you've got to have a lot of confidence in your own riding as well as the bike underneath you. Yeah. So um yeah, no, great ride. I'll I'll give it silach for
0: me. Yeah, I'll give it to uh Kubo simply because he's finished ninth uh, at the Thai Grand Prix. And of course being Thai, that would have been huge for him. Um yeah. and especially since we lost Chantra, you know, within the on the first lap, which was an absolute you know, blow to the Thai fans. You could you could hear them all, couldn't you? You could yeah. hear them all screaming or whatever. So to so for Kubo to come to finish uh, top ten or ninth, and yeah, I think he's done. He's done really well.
1: Yeah, and that leads us on to MotoGP, where we have a finishing order of Miguel Oliveira, Jack Miller, and Pekka Bagnaya. Um, a few points to bring out up on this. Um, everything linked with team orders, race invisibility. Yeah, and got, what we got... mentioned bef- as before the race, where we had Aleix, Marini, and Fabio saying it's not safe, and got blindsided. <laughs> so mm. that's, that's a point that I think people are probably easy to go. I'm saying this because of Fabio. I'm not. I-, I look at three riders saying it's not safe and think, is that not taken into account? Um, we've just had a race red flagged 20 minutes ago for Moto 2 for t- you know poor visibility. These are on bigger bikes with more spray, meaning less visibility. And they all go out and say, could not see anything. I mean, you look at that after after turn one. I couldn't see anyone apart from like the top three. I couldn't see anyone watching from a camera that's not in the spray. Mm. And these are the most powerful bikes that we have on the grid and can cause some serious harm. And you can't see anything. And we're just going to, you know, I mean... I don't know if you saw, Josh, but after turn three, you know, at the end of the, the first big straight, after that, there was lines, strips of standing water. Yeah. Have we not learned from Silverstone 2018, like you just mentioned, where we had a rider? I'm not being funny. Tito Rabat was lucky to come away with the injury that he had. And anyone that watched that weekend or was there that weekend will know exactly what I'm referring to. In that even Tito Rabat said to the marshals, you have saved my life in how ridiculous mm. those conditions were and how quick you were to act. It only takes, again, like we said earlier, it only takes one and an incident like that to happen to say something needs to change. Because yeah. if that didn't happen at in 2018, 2019, they wouldn't have resurfaced it. They wouldn't have resurfaced it. No way they would have resurfaced it. So it's like, oh, yeah, now, we're, now it's rained, which for any person that lives under a rock, right, it, it pisses it down in the UK most of the week. So mm. people working at Silverstone can see weekly, daily, if not, that looks a bit unsafe, we should probably do something about that. And they have plenty of events around it to say, that's unsafe, we should probably do something about that. And definitely enough ra- riders, racers, drivers, whatever, to say, that's not safe, we should do something about that. It's took for Tito Rabat to have that incident to say, fine, we'll resurface it. I'm not saying to resurface the Thailand, uh, to, to the Borough Ram circuit or anything, but do we not look at incidents like this i'm sick to death it's... at talking about riders safety and it being eh, no nah, we'll just yeah. do it. it's just no one, very, died. It, yeah, no one no, died no one died so so we've done it you, you can't sit there and say i'm saying it for fabio you can't it's... you cannot sit th- you saw caporossi come over to him and say like basically what what's what you know what do you think and fabio literally looking at him saying well, i could only interpret this as if we're all out there at the same time, no chance. No chance. On your own, maybe. But mm. he basically said, like, he, he, like, pointed and, like, circled the grid and basically was like, you you won't see anything. Yeah. And, it, and he was like, okay, okay, went away. And then it was like, I'm not saying Caparo he doesn't make the decision. He's kind of like the middleman. You know, he kind of goes out and checks it. But after that,
0: and you go, yeah,
1: fine, we'll, we'll
0: run I it. mean, it's, for me... We'll go back to the union thing. In that kind of scenario, that race probably would have been delayed in a riders' union, I think. Obviously, well, I don't at know.
1: The end, of the, the end of the race, I thought, okay, that, that's a fair enough level of rain. Like, mm. it, it's it's raining, it's raining, but it's not, it's not pissing it down. It's not torrential. Yeah. Like yeah. in Indonesia, where I know obviously it just stopped, but at one point it was raining and you thought, yeah, but that's fair enough. It, it's just raining. When they started it, and before that, like I've just said with Moto2, it was absolutely teeming it down.
0: Yeah, because if that was... The the pack spread out, right? Um, So let's say halfway through the race, the pack spread out, the tyres are warmer, you know, it's a bit grippier, and rain comes down like it was at the start of the race. Do you think they would have continued it, or do you think they would have red flagged it? In my opinion that would have been red flagged. So why would you start a race in those conditions?
1: Well, you're saying that about sod this for a game of darts. I reckon they probably would have had a game of darts I'm yeah. guessing what they'd have done with the race. Yeah, probably.
0: But... Same <laughs> with the stewards room, just throwing yeah. darts at a board with continue race, red flag, whatever, you know. I, for me, yeah, it was it was hard to watch. And, and, of course, like you said, Elish, there was a few in there who were like, we need to, you know, we need to speak up, really. Um but unfortunately, I think, I don't
1: know,
0: there was probably... And
1: linking to what I was going to say about team orders, I honestly get the opinion of, not the opinion, I get the view of, I, I think, genuinely, I think Ducati would have looked at that and gone, that looks all right for us. Yeah. And and having seen what Zarco's done in not having a pop at Bagnaya, which I don't blame him for entirely, You you know, your satellite team or whatever you want to class it as, for for the main manufacturer and you think they're in a championship fight. I get it. I get it. But the reaction after I'm talking about from Gigi Delinia saying to Pramac, basically, thank you for doing what they didn't do, meaning Grassini. What I get the impression of is if you're a Ducati, keep your mouth shut because it favours Peko. That's all. That's literally all I get I, from I think
0: it's, it's almost, I think it's a blessing really that we you had like a, well i say marquez involved but it's a blessing that it wasn't bastianini behind banyaya really because bastianini wouldn't have held bastianini would have gone for that he really would have he really yeah. would have tried to and i think again like i've said my theory is banyaya's already rattled by bastianini um and it's why he's made the mistake in japan um i think there could have there would have been a clash there because bastianini even in them conditions he would have thrown it down the inside of, of Banyaya, there would have been a crash and all hell would have broken loose. So, I'm I, in a way I'm unfortunate that it was Zarco. I, I don't know about Martin. Martin said he he would have gone for it as well, I think. In one of, in the interview, he said he would have,
1: he yeah, would have yeah, gone for it. Yeah, saw, um, saw that. So, yeah.
0: so, really, yeah, Ducati were very, very lucky that it was Zarco behind. I just, I don't know. Yeah, I, I know yeah.
1: I'm not one of those that's going. to... I mean, it's easy for me to sit there because nobody, no one, no one on a Yamaha challenges uh, Fabio on a weekly basis. But <laughs> I just don't. I don't know. To me, I would never want to watch a championship where it's almost like half the grid, which is Ducatis, are just not going to do anything, so that the one Ducati gets seven places gained. It's like,
0: yeah, it's what's the point in that? It can't be for me. There should just be no team orders, personally.
1: I don't mind team. No, no, I don't. I don't mind team orders. Like you know, if it comes to like the last race or the last two or three, like we're at now, and it's like, look, you know, if if you if you can, if you're two and three, let's say, say if Marquez is going, is so far ahead in Phillip Island, right, in in on Friday and Saturday, and you think no one's catching him, right? No one's catching him, and Pekos second, and Bassani third. And they just say to them, look, if it comes to the last few laps, and you're second and third or whatever, and 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 Pecco's in front of you, just don't go for it. Don't go for it. Mm. that. I don't mind. I don't mind that because, like, like with Zarco, I don't mind it. But let's not be having Ducati riders for the last few races almost looking for Pecco and being like, all right, I'm not going to touch him. I'm not all like all yeah, no, being really. Onto it with somebody like, like the Miller thing at turn one, flying into Fabio to send him wide. But although Fabio did everything he could to avoid contact, Alish got a long lap penalty for doing the same at Brad Binder.
0: So yeah. I'm like, it's, you know, it, I mean, it's obviously Ducati aren't really being public about it. And I think the want, they never are, are they? They never, they, are. they never are. But they want Ducati, basically, they want another world champion. Um, and obviously they want it to be Banyaya, and they don't want it tainted by team orders, do they? They don't want to say, "Oh, Banyaya only won it because there was a million juukkas on the grid, and they all like parted like the fucking Red Sea to let to let Banyaya through," kind of thing. They don't want that. They well, don't I mean... want that kind of taint, and it's difficult for them. Uh, it's a, it's obviously a mess of their own making. They shouldn't have so many bikes on the grid if they if they don't want to have the, these kind of problems. But it is difficult because it, the, the walk walking that tightrope between allowing them all to race and making it kind of and having as little politics involved as possible, but also desperately with all the money they've spent and how long it's been, desperately just wanting another riders' championship. And it for them well, that's now. Why it's, eight, that's
1: why they've got eight bikes on the grid. Yeah, isn't it? Got, you know, like deb- I said before, if you can't win a championship with eight bikes on the grid, yeah. then Jesus but, Christ! I mean, but obviously
0: you have eight bikes on the grid that are all. On not equal machinery, but they're all similar machinery. There, there's more chance that one of those bikes is gonna yeah. be is gonna be in a position to overtake your your the person you want to win the, the championship. Like we saw, yeah. at Aragon, yeah, Aragon. If, if the point if the point comes down, I know that there's loads of times that Banyai has crashed out. But if if Fabio wins a championship by like less than five points, instantly it'll be Aragon. All all they would have had to have done Ducati there is basically say. Bassinini, do not overtake. You are sticking in second. Because that's, yeah, well, that's an easy well, easy five points that could have been. Bassinini
1: will look at it and say, well, if I don't yeah, overtake exactly. him, I'm not showing to Ducati that I can win races. And exactly. if I want to do that, I won't be yeah, where yeah. I am. That's so, what I mean. So... In front of them, you, you can't have one without the other. And you can't expect, you can't sit there at the start of the year and say, great, all eight bikes competitive, it's fantastic. And then get to the end of the year and say, can seven of you not be competitive?
0: Yeah, yeah. Can can that's can not you... That's <laughs> not happening. Yeah, and the other conundrum, which I think we can touch on, really, is the fact that Jack Miller is kind of instilling yeah. math- with mathematical contention to win the championship. And the form he's on at the moment,
1: yeah. I
0: don't know. I'd, it's Maybe it's not really dawned on him, in a way. He's probably thought, well, hang on a minute, it might be different, but you've got Philip Island coming up. And I know it's a Ducati, so traditionally, but r- by, the, by the rule of thumb, the Ducati shouldn't be challenging for the win at Philip Island, well, but they've we've they've not been, been there been in there. three
1: years. Yeah. I have to say that they have been hit and miss previously. It's not like they were massively uncompetitive last time. I mean, just for anyone listening, we have Jack Miller, who's 40 points behind Fabio. We have Bastianini, who's 39 points behind Fabio, Aleish, who is 20 and Peko, who is two. So there are five people in contention for this championship. Um, I just think, and I I was thinking about this earlier, and I don't want to sound ridiculous when I say this. This is just my opinion. This is just how I think things are going to play out. I think two things. I think if Fabio wins in Phillip Island, which is a big if, but if he wins, I think he'll be world champion. And I think the same for Peko. So if Peko wins in, and this is only if they win, I just think it will give them that confidence that if Peko wins, he's like, okay, this is done. I'm going to win now. Too strong to overcome for Fabio. I think it'll be the case. But if Fabio wins, I think it'll almost upset the apple cart to be like, oh, what have we got to do? I don't know. I just, that's what I think. I just that's what I think. Yeah, I, how, I'd, I I'd, I'd thing, agree with you. Uh, yeah, finish your
0: point Just quickly, then...
1: second thing. I think if Fabio wins the championship this year, I think he'll win it next. And I think if Pekka wins it this year, I think he'll win it next. I don't know why. I've just got this thing where I think if Pekka wins it this year, I think it'll be. I can do it now. I, I can do it.
0: And well, next year, I'm yeah.
1: going to go for it. I don't know why I just have that feeling. And I think well, if Fabio wins it on this bike, with what looks to be an improved bike for next year, I think he goes, okay, I've got this. I don't know why. I just think that's going to no, happen. I
0: can, I can see that. I mean, look at Pecco when he won his first race. Yeah. Like, everything kind of changed. Everything changed after that for him. And it, it does happen. But on your first point, I'd agree with you if it wasn't for the if it wasn't for the fact we've got Cepan coming up and we know that what the, the, the weather can be like there and the, the yeah, torrential yeah. downpour. And it kind of brings me on to the point of Fabio. And in my opinion, his one and only weakness apart from obviously not talking about the bikes, we know where the bike's weaknesses lie in the, in the Yamaha, but his one and only weakness as a rider for me is, is the wet. It's not that he's terrible in the wet personally. He's, he's not atrocious. He's a, he, is it. We can. We've seen that he has been good. I mean, he got. Is it? I can't remember. What's the uh, What's the Indonesian one called? Is it? Is that Mandalika? Yeah, we saw he, he performed well there. Limon last season. He did well there.
1: Um, I mean, like, he, he does have.
0: But, he,
1: I think Fabio is good in the wet. I just I think just, that bike is nowhere I, near what Ducati I, is in the wet.
0: I just. I don't think. I personally don't think he's. He's all that confident in the wet. Look at Morbidelli. He finished in thirteenth. So mm. I, there personally, I I can't really put it. Personally, I don't think you can put it on the bike. I think, I mean, Cal Crutchlow finished in nineteenth, not not all that far behind Fabio in a way, or, well, a few seconds off. But um, for me, Fabio, it's his one Achilles heel. Every dra- every rider has an Achilles heel. They they, they all have one. You know, Bagnia is it's his consistency, and I also think if if someone's like snapping at his heels in a race, he tends to make mistakes. Um, You know, Mark Marquez, it's a fact... And this is kind of a strength of his, but also weaknesses. He doesn't know where the limit is. He will push and push and push constantly. Mm -hmm. And he's won in races that he shouldn't have won, and he's also crashed out. And, well, it's cost him three seasons of his career, 2020, 2021, and 2022, because he didn't know where the limit was. Um, And he's pushed too hard. Whereas the likes of, for me, Fabio... You know, he knows where the limit is. Nine ninety-nine percent of the time. He knows where the limit is. His consistency is brilliant. He never really gets rattled or wound up if someone's napping at his heels. He just continues on as he as he does. He has the odd blip like we saw in Assen, every now and again, but every rider does. For me, it's it's in the wet. He just he just for some reason his confidence, I think, just I don't know if it's obviously his riding style just doesn't suit. It. And again, you combine the bike, there's a lot more factors in play, but for I me, mean, his confidence and his kind of pace overall in the wet just isn't good. It's just not good enough, especially when we come down to the nitty gritty now. And there's a championship on the line. It is a massive weakness. And going into argue, Malaysia,
1: you could argue with that. With what you've just said about Pekka, when when shit hits the fan, yeah, yeah, Pang, he could crumble. He Do could you know crumble. hundred percent. Somebody like a Leish, who's I'm here for. You know, I, I've I've been there and done it. You could argue, Alech could favour in those sorts of conditions where you need to be calm. You need a neutral bike that's good in wet and dry conditions, and you have got the confidence because yeah. and both the last two races, have said, you know, if this, I would, I would have won. Not, I could have won. Yeah. I, I would have won. Which is, I mean, yeah. if buts and maybes. I mean, the problem with Alech,
0: the, the the big thing that was isn't doing was um, stopping a lap shot in uh Catalonia <laughs> and uh, how many places did that cost him how many points i, I mean finished,
1: i think he lost about i think i want to guess 8 points
0: yeah he lost Fifth. 8 points but that's i mean you you add that onto the title you add on the fact that oh sorry onto his tally you add on um the fact that his if his engine mapping wasn't messed up in, or fuel mapping wasn't messed up at Japan um you know he could be within probably within 10 points if not like level with both banyair and um, and Fabio, so I don't know. It, it, back to the point, anyway. With S- Sepang, I just think yeah, you know, re- reference or re- relevant to to the wet riding Sepang. I reckon we've got at least a I don't know what the forecast is, there, but we've got at least a fifty percent yeah. chance of it being being a wet race because it's Sepang. Well it's that it's a rainy season in that part of the world, and that could be yeah. You know, in terms of Banyaya's and Cuartararo's wet pace and the confidence in the wet. And, of course, adding the machinery that they're on and how that handles in the wet. If we're going into Sepang and it's it's going to be a wet race and you've got to favour Banyaya going into the mm-hmm. like final round, you've got to favour it. And that's, the that's for me, I'd agree with your, your first point if it wasn't for the fact we were going to Sepang. If we're going somewhere else, I don't know traditionally what used to be the second to last race on the calendar, or if it's always kind of been, is it always kind of been like a Far Eastern monsoon yeah, season? It's, it's all,
1: it's, I mean, it used to be, well, kind of, Suzuka's used to go first start of the se- race of the mm. season to the last, to the first, to the last, and Phillip Island used to be the last race of the season. Yeah. Um, but obviously in the last couple of years, we've had the likes of Portimao be at the end of well, the exactly. year. Well, where... exactly.
0: Uh, I would, if we were going to Sepang, if we were going Phillip Island, Portimao, Valencia, then yeah, I'd 100% agree. Because even though we're, we, you could get a rainy party now, it's probably less likely. In, but Sapang, especially with them straights that we've got at Sepang, And Well, I, I mean,
1: you saying with the straights at Sapang, I complete, that would be, that is always in the back of my mind with, with the Yamaha. But in the same way, I just think where you need smooth, but also someone who can really be on edge, knows their limit is Phillip Island. It's Philip Island. Yeah. I mean, you look at the winners over the years, the people that have won that race know where their limit is and can be smooth. You only need to go through Stoner Corner, get down to Honda Corner, tap those brakes, and the bike goes bang yeah. on its side. We've seen it year after year. We've seen it down at put, like Luki Heights with Vinales when he was racing against Marquez. Last lap, just overcooked it, wrong side of the tyre, and you go flying down there. Philip Island to me is almost like it's such a good track. I love Philip Island, but it's that track where I look at it and think anything can happen. Anything can happen because it, it, you get everything at Philip Island. You really do. I mean, look at can you remember twenty thirteen with Marquez Lorenzo? Where he'd like they'd Honda basically tried to say, Well, our pit our our box is before ten laps and they'd given them a 10-lap period of you have to change tyres because of the resurfacing of the uh, track. And Honda basically did 10 laps, and on the 11th lap said, no, 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 we have not completed 11 laps yet because the, bo- the box is before the, the, the finish line, and they got black flag for it. It was like, a, what on earth's gone on here? Like, it, it literally, everything can happen at Phillip Island. And to me, I just hope that both riders finish and it's and it's there's no antics. That's all I'm hoping for. Yeah, That's all I, can I, hope
0: I mean, for. I'm praying again. Like you said, uh, Fabio should have a strong race. Um, hopefully, Banyaya does, and it's not tainted by team orders, really, or or some kind of oh, Zarko could have took overtook him on the last lap, and he didn't bother, or or something of of that degree. Um, but again, you've got who knows? Again, we haven't been there for three years. the the, the bikes, I mean, the the. The 2019 bike compared to the 2022 bike is night and day. Mm. Like th- there's so much different between th- these kind of eras. So we can't really go off the traditional. Oh well, you know, this bike's strong in this area. This bike's strong in this area. It's a totally different beast. And you know, Matt Mark, Marcus is back. He could. I wouldn't be surprised if he wins at yeah. Phillip Island. Um, you know, he's he's probably due a win already. Um, I, I predicted Maverick to win at Phillip Island earlier on in the season. Yeah, but Ma- Maverick's looking strong on that Aprilia. He's coming alive on it. So Maverick could be... I mean, if if the Aprilia is really strong, we might even see Elish winning. Who knows? That's what and I mean. And that, that, could, that could swing the title. But then Jack Miller, <laughs> Aussie, you know, kind yeah. of, we love a story. Uh, Jack Miller could go through. I was going to say,
1: quickly, just before we get off of um, that whole thing, I, if I'm Miller, <laughs> without sounding really bad, if I'm Miller, I'm doing everything I can to stop by and thrash Fabio, he's not going to compete for a championship on the KEM yet, at least. It's his last chance for me. It's his last chance mm. to win a world title. Um, if I'm Miller, I'm I'm getting my elbows out against Bagnaya. I really am. I look at <laughs> what you just said yeah. and he gets flustered.
0: I'd be a bit selfish. It, I would. It, it, if you're Jack Miller on the selfish side, you're hoping that Bagnaya is not behind you or in front of you. As long as one of them two things throughout the race or towards the end of the race is, you know, as long as one of those two things is not happening.
1: You mean you mean like directly, like? Yeah, yes. Because obviously,
0: it. if Miller's in front of Banyaya, yeah, it'll be like, right, well, you're really gonna now. Did Ducati be yeah. saying you're not gonna overtake him? are yeah, come on. Um And if if again if if Banya in front of Miller, let's say if Miller's got the pace to to overtake him, really he's going to be in that position of I shouldn't I shouldn't be overtaken. But whereas if if say, you know, Jack Milley's in, I don't know, Jack Milley's got Fabio behind him and Banyai is behind Fabio, he can just he can just fly off into the distance, really, and can be like, oh well, I'm I'm just running my own race. There's yeah. not really much I can do. Unless yeah. Ducati, like, oh, why aren't you backing Fabio into Banyai? You can just be like, well, you know, it's not really a with with Fabio at this track, it's probably not the best thing to do. But that's what uh, Miller's got to hope for that he's not really either directly in front or directly behind. So, yeah. um, uh, but if we want to just touch on for a second, Oliveira, um, obviously his second wet race win this season. Mm. I'm quite surprised that Brad Binder wasn't up in the mix, to be honest.
1: Well, like I've said before it's it's one of them where I, I've said it, and um I, I think KTM have made a wrong decision. I, I've said it before when they've you know we've spoke about KTM so many times, mm. and I just think that bloke has won the most on a KTM. He's the most competitive KTM rider they've ever had, the most yeah. successful KTM rider they've ever had, and they're sacking
0: him yeah it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's bizarre. It is. Ah, I, I, KTM, to be fair, I've given up on trying to figure out or trying to understand what, what they do because no one no one knows. I don't know what they're trying to do. It's almost like they're trying to be a blend of Ducati and Honda at the same time or something yeah. and trying to beat them at both of what they do. Obviously, we know what Honda's like mm. and we, we've already been through that and how they are awful, but at least they've got the pedigree to kind of justify it. And Ducati... They've kind of got the, oh, well, they've got the funds, aren't they, to kind of and, and the the academy and the the range to be able to do what they do. And yeah. KTM seem to think I don't know that they're in the same league as Ducati and um, Honda when they're really not. But another one is Alex Marquez. Uh, yeah, quite, eight, I mean, again, if you look at um, Indonesia, he finished third. Oh, did he did he finish that? Am I did reading he? this wrong? Um did he finish second twenty? No, my 20. bad. He finished fifteenth. <laughs> I've read it wrong. I've read it, I've read it the other way around. <laughs> um never mind on that one. Um no, thirteenth he finished actually. Oh you're reading it as like
1: three points.
0: Yeah, I've read I've read it the other way around. So like 13th three, three, 13th, if you get what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, so but, but way, Alex Marquez a, was, a was, was quite surprising, really. Yeah, I wasn't expecting to see him so high up on the grid, to be honest. Um, especially above. If you look at the, some of the people he was above. Because um, mm. he finished above Brad Binder, didn't he? Yeah. Which is someone you you wouldn't expect him to finish above. Of course, Martin and Aleish. But obviously, Aleish got that absolute bullshit um, long lap, which I just don't understand. Again, that was just a flip of the coin from the stewards, I think. Um. Yeah. Again, we could go on about the stewarding decisions all day long.
1: Yeah. Um. Rider of the day, by the way, Matt has given it to the race winner, in Miguel Oliveira, in saying that you know basically, let him enjoy his KTM glory, um, which is I guess fair enough. But uh, yeah. KTM glory is sacking that man, so at the same yeah. time take it and leave it. Um. My rider of the day, I'm gonna give it. Mm. I, I'm going to give it Mark. I'm going to give it Mark because, again, people underestimate this This guy is injured. He is injured. Mm. Um, and in a race like that, how easy it is to fall off and whatnot, I think he rode brilliantly, especially when he was fending off all those Ducatis and trying to keep pace with everybody. Um, I did expect him, with my normal Mark Marquez brain, to come through and win. Mm. Um, but to finish three seconds off the race win again... It's, it is scary. It is yeah. scary for when he gets it, it right. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. So I give it my. Um, well, the person who won't be right, rider right of the day, is Luca Marini, who, of course, <laughs> yeah. we were praising for his consistency and whatnot. And he did finish,
1: he, though. He did finish.
0: Yeah, he did. He Although did.
1: two laps down, he did
0: finish. He did crash. And, then, and I guess it was in the wet, so we can't be too harsh, yeah. but it does seem a bit typical that we're, we're absolutely <laughs> lording over his consistency and his kind of going under the radar, and then <laughs> there he is, one of the only ones to actually crash. Um, yeah. And typical I us. mean, yeah, typical us. I probably will give it to... Alex? No.
1: Petrucci. Petrucci. He's
0: on a Suzuki. You know, on the last... Probably the last ride of the day, I'll give a Suzuki, which is a shame. It's quite sad that I'm saying that. Um
1: Rumoured to it, be the next uh, to be the rider for the next three rounds, actually.
0: Oh, really? Well, yeah, I'm gonna be given more than rumored. rumored. I'd like that a lot, actually. Um But I don't want to. I don't want to base my rider on the day on the fact that I'm thinking. Oh, I don't want to give it. I, I won't be like, oh, I won't give it to him this this week because he's going to be on the bike three more times because he might not be. So, I'll give it to uh, I'll give it Petrucci for this one because he didn't finish last, which I think. Not being MotoGP for nearly a year. To jump on a on a inline four when you've raced V4s for God knows how long. Yeah. And then to actually finish the race and not finish last was i yeah, I'd be pretty fair enough. Yeah. Well in.
1: Um quickly for the fantasy we have Tex team still leading in first oh, with one, 1782. Yeah. Uh 4646 in second on one seven five two and Josh in third and one seven one one. So Josh You're needing a bit of something, aren't you, to to poke your head in. I I do.
0: I do. I need to rejig my team, I think. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to do that by qualifying, um, but I'll have a look and see what I can do because something needs to change. Mm. Um, Probably put Fabio as my gold rider, I think. I think that's worth doing. Um, so
1: you're confident with Fabio into um... yeah
0: yeah into for, definitely for Philip Island maybe Sapangal obviously I might I might bang him in silver but for uh, for Philip Island I'm definitely putting him gold it's just who else who else could I start put next to him yeah I'm not sure
1: um so yeah obviously that wraps up everything with the Thailand GP we will be back the following week of Philip Island we'll have, hopefully sorry have this out a little bit earlier than what's um, what's come out for the Thailand Grand Prix. Mm. Um, but obviously, socials-wise, we have at Red Sector GP on Twitter, at Bono GP underscore on Twitter, at Red Sector Josh on Twitter, and at Matt Blansky1 on Twitter for all of our socials. If you want to join the Discord, go on the official Twitter page, and the link will be there to join that. Obviously, Instagram, you have me, at Bono GP underscore photography, and at Bono GP, um, and at Red Sector GP on instagram i don't know if matt has his instagram plugged but i'm sure you'll be able to find it on there if he um if he doesn't already um so yeah i think that's everything josh i don't know if there's
0: anything else you want to say before you go off uh no looking we'll forward just, to uh, Island? <laughs> yes very much it's been three long years too long i'm not looking to get, i'm not look, looking forward to getting up
1: yeah. at
0: the, the whatever time philip island's on but yeah i am looking forward to the race because this is going to be a a crucial way, race for the championship, like a massive race. Um, like they all are, I guess, you know, we've only got three left, but, you know, the momentum, again, because it's it's probably going to be the last race before Valencia, well, it is the last race before Valencia, where we kind of know what the conditions are going to be. I mean, it should, it should be a dry race, whereas Sepang, it's a bit like, are we going to get monsoon weather? Is there even going to be a race? You know, things like that. So this is kind of the last one where where expected points are
1: are huge. So Yeah. Um for anyone anyone wondering, on the Sunday, this is GMT British time, the Moto 3 race starts at 1 a.m., Moto 2 at 220, and Moto GP at 4 a.m. So <laughs> if you want to stay up and watch that, then oh, you know God. by all means do. What time?
0: Sorry, does it start? It's MotoGP? 1
1: a.m. for Moto 3, any past two for Moto 2, and 4 a.m. for Moto GP.
0: Oh. God. so
1: um yeah and anybody wondering for friday it starts at five to one in the morning so
0: i think i'll give that a miss fb1
1: yeah. really <laughs> yeah
0: it's actually I don't know why
1: it's scheduled to be um it's scheduled to be moto 2 to start but i don't think that's i think moto gp or dawn or whoever have got that wrong shock um <laughs> so so yeah that'll be us um If anyone is going to Phillip Island that's listened to this, by all means, have a great time. But I am very jealous. So (laughs) that's all I've got to say on that.
0: And with that, keep the throttle pinned.